Hi folks, Wooden Boat Dan here. Just wanted to give you a heads up. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded several years ago. So some of the phone numbers, email addresses, website, links, and time-sensitive information are no longer valid. Please keep that in mind as you listen. If you'd like to contact me, my email address is woodenboatdan at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 63 of Hooked on Wooden Boats weekly podcast. I'm your host, Dan Matson, a.k.a. Wooden Boat Dan. If you can't do it, there's not many people that can. And this is the world's very first podcast fully dedicated to celebrating the art, craft, history, tradition, and romance of wooden boats. You heard it right, folks. We're all about wooden boats here at Hooked on Wooden Boats. Thanks for tuning in today. Great to have you. I'm sitting at my favorite recording spot in Bayview, Washington, sitting right 30 feet from Puget Sound, looking at it this beautiful day. It's sunny. Water's reflecting off the, or the sun is reflecting off the water. And I wish I were out on the water, but I'm out on a lunch break (laughs) instead. So I'm going to do some recording today for the podcast. I like to get it done early in the week. That way uh, I've got it all ready to go to publish on Thursday, as I always do. Today's featured segment is an interview with Katie Whalen of the Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building in Port Hadlock, Washington, I met Katie, I believe it was in May of this year. She's the uh, She's been involved with the Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building since 1991. She's been the full-time business manager there for six and a half years. Katie's very passionate about what she does and about what the school does. And she also owns a really cool sailboat that was built by the school in 1995. So you're going to want to stick around for that interview. Hopefully I didn't give everything away in the prelude here. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to the podcast. We typically feature, or I typically feature an interview with somebody in the wooden boat world, and then I chat a little bit about my own wooden boat stuff and some other things. So hope you enjoy it. I am uh, trying to make it personal, because I don't know about you, but when I listen to other podcasts, If the person podcasting shares some personal tidbits, I get more connected and enjoy the podcast a little more than if it's all just about the topic at hand. So, anyway, that's my goal. Well, let's see. Last week was Thanksgiving here in the U.S., and we had about 19 people over at our house, my family, my mom and my sister and her kids and their spouses and my boys and um, a couple friends. We had a great time, and I actually had a blast because what I did was the day before, I called uh, or I texted all my family members and said, please call my hotline phone number and just leave a brief message about one to three minutes about what you're thankful for. So about 17 people did that, and so what I did is I took all those audio clips, put them on my computer, And I made a podcast, a Thanksgiving podcast out of that. And I put a little introduction on it with the music that I use for this podcast. And I put an outroduction 
with some more music. And so I started off and read some scripture, talked about what I was thankful for, and then played each of these uh, 15 to 17 audio clips and then had a, uh, a little exit uh, talk at the very end. So I played that Thanksgiving Day for everybody. It was about 23 minutes long. And, of course, everybody likes to hear their own voice, but it was fun to listen to other people, too, and find out what everybody was thankful for. So that was really cool. It took me about three hours to put that together. (laughs) So I wasn't as helpful to my wife in the kitchen as I should have been, but uh, she forgave me, and I did help clean up. So that was good. So we had a great day. Uh, very thankful for a lot of things. We had plenty to eat, and it was great to get together with family and friends. And I hope you had a good time also if you celebrate Thanksgiving. wanted to give you an update on my 12-foot sassafras lap straight canoe. So I actually pulled it out this weekend because we had a sunny weekend. It was kind of cool, high 40s, low 50s, but the sun was out. I pulled it out of my shop. I put it on the horses. I'm working on the bottom, so I I took some uh, 300 grit. Well, actually, what I did first is I filled all the imperfections in the hole with some acrylic white glazing compound, and then I sanded that off with 200 grit uh, wet dry sandpaper. Then I went over the whole the whole hull. That's hard to say. Whole hull with the 200 wet dry. And then I put a first coat of primer on it. I used Interlux Pre-Coat. So that, all that process took me about three or four hours this weekend. So I've got one coat of primer on. And I left the heat on my barn, in my barn last night so it could dry out. And uh, in the next day or two, I'm going to put, uh, i got to sand that first coat down. And then put a second coat of primer sand that down and then I'll be able to put two to three coats of my top coat on and then I will have the hole done. Uh, Then the only thing left to do is varnish the inside of the boat and the gunnels and uh, build a thwart to uh, support the seat that's going to go in the bottom of the canoe. So anyway, I made some progress. I'm encouraged. It's November 20-something, 26, I think. And uh, my goal is to finish by the end of this year, as I've mentioned before. Actually, earlier in the year, I was going to finish in May. Then I was going to finish in July. Then it was going to be Labor Day. (laughs) But you got to have goals or you won't hit anything, right? Okay, very good. Uh, So that's the update on the canoe. I'm uh, downsizing a little bit. We're downsizing because we've got our house for sale. We're going to move to a smaller place. Don't need all the space we have. So I've been getting rid of a few tools. And every time I sell a tool, I get buyer's, seller's remorse. Not buyer's remorse, seller's remorse, it seems like. Even if it's a tool that I don't really use that much. kind of crazy. Like this weekend, I sold a drill press. Uh, I sold it. I, I paid $200 for this drill press in 2005. It was a closeout special. I sold it for 250 they sell new for 600 now, so I'm not sure what to think about all those numbers, and I'm an accountant, but I try not to think about it. And one of the reasons I did sell it is because I want to buy a new camera, so I'm saving up for a new uh, digital SLR camera so I can up the ante on my photos for Hooked on Wooden Boats 
And I would actually eventually like to sell photos from my website of wooden boats and maybe put together a book, that type of thing. I'm also making some improvements to the website at the bottom of the show notes. Each week when I publish the podcast, I create show notes with photographs. At the bottom now, I put some new share buttons on. So if you go to my website, hookedonwoodenboats.com, and you get to the bottom, if you really like the episode, you can click on the Facebook or the Twitter button or the Pinterest button and share uh, the blog, blog post and the podcast real easily. So I'm kind of excited about that. And then also, if you'd like to leave a voicemail feedback about the show with questions, comments, maybe enjoy the show, you'd like to tell me about that. Instead of having to call a phone number now, you can leave it a message directly from your computer. On the right-hand side of your computer, it says... What does it say? I wrote it down here somewhere. It says... Okay, it's... I'm getting close. Send voicemail. So if you click on that button, and you do... If you have a... You have to have a microphone on your computer. If you click on that button, you can leave a voice message directly from your computer. Or you could do it from your phone also. Smartphone. And I would get a an email saying you'd left a voice message. So I'd love it if you would do that. Check it out. And that's the new stuff there. If you haven't already, please subscribe to my e-newsletter. I send it out monthly, approximately, give or take a couple days. And uh, I give uh, information about what's happening with Hooked on Wooden Boats, future and past interviews, resources, videos, fun stuff like that. It's a great way to connect. And to do that, you go to hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash subscribe. Hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash subscribe. So please do that if you haven't already. Okay, it's time for the interview with Katie Wayland of the Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building. Take it away, Katie. Okay, it is November 16, 2012. I'm sitting with Katie Whalen at the Northwest School of Wind Boat Building in Port Hadlock, Washington. That's a mouthful. Welcome to the show, Katie. Well, thanks, Dan. I'm glad to um, finally have the chance to sit down and talk with you about the school. Yeah, very cool. And about you, not just about the school. <laughs> so, uh, Katie and I met this summer, I think it was in May, at the Pocket Yacht Palooza in Port Townsend. Yeah, I got to see Katie's boat then, Baraka. Uh, but before we talk about that, Katie, tell me, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Southern California. Okay. I always lived, I've always lived within a half a mile of the ocean, but was not uh, involved in any way with wooden boats, or boats at all. I'd never been on a boat. Uh, As a kid, you weren't involved with boating at all? Not a bit. In fact, I tell people that my first, actually my only boating experience was the Washington State Ferry System. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, before coming to the school. Yeah, so you grew up in Southern California, so what did you do as a kid? I read a lot. Uh -huh. I, was, I lived in an apartment, you know, so I was an inside kid. I really didn't have, uh, you know, uh, the outside adventure experience mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, lived in the city and so had you know, the types of experiences that a kid in the city would have. Did you go to the beach a lot? You were I close did go to the, to the beach. beach a lot, okay. yeah. Do some swimming and surfing? and uh, Swimming, yes. A lot of laying in the sun and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But 
not really, uh, you know, much of. Uh, I did do a little backpacking and uh, mountain activities as a kid, but never water activities. Mm, so interesting. So, what did you do after high school? Uh, well, I actually was a person that I've been on my own since uh, about mid high school year. Okay. So I kind of uh, took took my own took my life into my own hands uh-huh. control at a pretty young age, and um, then uh, I was um, I just have always um, been good at uh, business and putting um, ideas together and seeing things in kind of a holistic way while also being able to pay attention to the details. And I started working in for nonprofits and found that that was really a good place for me because um, I am kind of a mission-driven person. I get very involved in, in the work that I do. I want my uh, the work that I do to inspire me. So even though I'm the numbers cruncher, mm-hmm. so to speak, and you see here, I'm you're sitting in my office, surrounded by stacks and stacks of papers and reports and and such. But um, you know, so I can keep all that together. But it's really the mission and the connection with the mission that really, really drives me. Mm-hmm. But I um, came up here from Southern California about 20 years ago. I actually moved to Morro Bay and spent a few years in Morro Bay. Where's that? Morro Bay is on the central coast. Really, of California. Mm-hmm, okay. Right in between San Francisco and Los Angeles. So it's really right in the center of the state. So you're about 300 miles north of Los Angeles and south of San Francisco. So it's a really lovely, sleepy little town, a lot of boats there. And I um, made a friend with a fellow whose lifetime dream was to come to the boat school. And that's how I heard about the boat school. And I was kind of looking for something new to do. And we came up here and took a couple of camping trips and and uh, I kind of fell in love with the place. So I came up here with him. What year was that, Katie? 91. Mm-hmm. 91. And I actually volunteered at the boat school for a while, helping Jeff Hammond um, put together the original curriculum that they would send off uh, to the accrediting agency so they could become an accredited school. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. And I got, got, uh, got involved there. And then... Uh, I stayed in Port Townsend and worked for a couple other nonprofit organizations for about 15 years and then had heard that the business manager at the boat school was moving to eastern Washington and I was kind of ready to do something new and I thought, wow, that's perfect, that's full circle, that's coming right back to yeah. you know, where I started. So um, I thought that it would just be a perfect fit for me and it turned out to be wonderful and that was about six and a half years ago. Really? Yeah. So that's how I... Yeah. Interesting. Now, you first got involved with school, though, back in the 90s as a volunteer, 91. huh? 91. Yeah. 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 So, uh, did you do any boating back in the 90s, Katie? No. Okay. Seriously, Washington State Ferry System. Yeah. Actually, when I was at both, when I was uh, here at the boat school in the 90s, I did go out on some day sailors a little bit in the bay, but I was... Uh, fellow I was sailing with didn't really have his rig worked out and we kept capsizing so I went out maybe six or eight Mm. times and found myself underneath the boat you know caught up in the rigging I don't know if you've ever had that wonderful experience but it's yeah I haven't no yeah you know and I I I, that was out here that was out here in the bay you have a wetsuit on uh I did yeah okay 
But it's still, it's still, still not it's fun still to get trapped in the rigging. So I, that kind of put me off um, sailing a little bit. What kind I just of boat thought, was that? I don't remember what small it was. Just a small then, little day sailor. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I didn't really. Um, you know, boats were not my focus. I worked for Copper Canyon Press, which is a poetry publisher hmm. here in town, and, and then another organization. And so my focus was really not on the boat school or on boats. And then, then when I came back to the school and started working here and really found that I'd finally, even though I was not, I know it sounds funny because I'm not, was it not at that point really a boat person, but the work that was going on here and the uh, was very attractive to me and the passion of the people that work here and the connections um, that they have to wooden boats and I think it was just it just tended, it just grew on me mm-hmm. and the um, uh, to the point where a couple of years ago um, I ended up buying one of the boats that the school had built which yeah. you mentioned you know you met me last uh, last right. year and um so now I actually own two wooden boats that the school had built. Oh, I didn't know. I, well, I have a little, yeah, I have a little uh, dinghy, a little tender for my my boat as well. Oh, you do. In fact, the oars are right there behind you. Cool. So I went from someone, and and I'm kind of telling on myself, but when this, when I saw Baraka, the boat that I ended up buying from the boat school, which is a William Atkin design, gaff rig, very traditional, twenty six foot cutter. Um, I was afraid to step on a boat. I didn't know how to step on a boat. I know that sounds really silly, but you know you've seen people who've never been on boats before. Yeah. Kind of what you know was what do I hold on to? What do I? Right. Right. And so I went from so I got over that very quickly. Yeah. And uh, the boat that the, that particular boat was donated to the school. We had built that boat in the early '90s. And the fellow who had her uh, in Seattle, um, I don't know the story, but wasn't you know using her anymore and decided to bring her back to the school. And we don't have a dock and a pier or really place to keep boats that are in the water. So generally when we have a boat like that, the school will sell it. And I just couldn't bear to have <laughs> a stranger have one of our boats. I know it sounds really funny. And I, so you have to buy a whole uh, boat well, to come I, back I, here, I don't, Katie. I hope I don't. But um, originally a couple of the uh, students and another instructor and I were all going to go in partners on the oh, boat. And really? I thought that would be a wonderful opportunity yeah. for me to just take a, a small bite. Because yeah. as much as I am passionate about being here each and every day, I, I still, my connection to the students is limited to I'm the lady in the office. And I thought it would be a really wonderful opportunity for me not only to interact with them in a different way, but also to um, give the students an opportunity to be on one of the boats that the school built because we don't have boats in the water. You know, the, the school is really not about boats. It's about the student experience. So we don't keep a fleet of boats around. We build the boats. We need them to go away because... We need to build more boats. We mm. build more boats than anybody. I don't know. You're out there in the world all the time. Is there anybody that builds as many boats as we do? No, I don't <laughs> think so. Yeah, you know, we're building 12, 15 or more boats every year. Yeah, so we right. need them. So having this boat has been wonderful for me because I now can invite the students and instructors to come sailing with me. And in fact, the instructors here at the school, I've, you know, we're all, uh, uh, 
you know, at a level of, of trust, which I, they all know where the key to the boat is. They can take the boat out whenever they want to, and wow. it's fine with me. Yeah. Because, you know, she need, they need to get sailed. Those boats need to get out. And, right. But it's wonderful to be on the boat and have students, especially this new class, the new students, they come down below, and they're sitting down in the cabin, and they're looking around, and they're saying, so this is what Jeff is drawing on the board. Oh. Right? So they actually see it, because Jeff actually does draw this particular boat quite a bit. Really? And so, especially for a new student who really hasn't, you know, to, to actually see the physical form, to be there, mm-hmm. instead of having to be, you know, yeah. classroom discussion or the smaller pieces that they're learning to make now. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of fun for me, and it's really deepened my connection to the school to have yeah. this boat. Yeah, so you ended up buying the boat by yourself I did. rather than with a group well, of people. Well, as it turned out, you know, when push comes to shove, uh, yeah. with something like that, <laughs> you know, either the... People have this ideal in mind. Di- right, you know, for, di- for one reason or another. And, but by that time, I was already all in. So yeah. I just decided, I'm just going to do this. How can I lose? I'm so well supported by my community here. How long ago was that, Katie? I've had her a year and a half. Okay, so she's a 31 foot. She's only 26. Oh, 26. Okay. She looks bigger because of her. Yeah, rigged cutter. Traditional Carvel plane. Very traditional. She doesn't have, there's no winches or locking cleats. Everything's, you know, hand lined. It's very traditional. Mm -hmm. And, um,. You you keep her down at Boathaven? I do. No, excuse me. I keep her down at Point Hudson. Oh, you do? Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Mm hmm. To, I was just down there. Yeah. I'll have to look I'm up. right in front of, uh, you know, Doc's, what used to be Doc's. They, the restaurant's change. Or yeah. T's. It is Doc's now. Sorry. Oh, okay. You know. Oh, you're right in front of Doc's. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm on the north side of the uh-huh. harbor. I really like Point Hudson. Well, I live in town. So, and it's really convenient for me. I can get down there to the yeah. really quickly. And I just, I really like the charm of it. Uh, it's a little sleepier than the Boat Haven. And... You know, I know a lot of the people down there, and I yeah, very I just cool. feel really comfortable there. So I hear you're getting ready to move on or full-time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite ready for that, Katie? Well, I don't think so. Not quite yet. You know, it's uh, I, I suppose people could live aboard and do live aboard boats of that size, but I have a, a son and, you yeah. know, yeah. Well, animals. I, did and, I read that you built a house with a co- some kind of a co-op situation I did. or something? I, um, I've been very fortunate in the, the couple of decades that I've been up in this area. I've always had really wonderful places to rent, but the things about, thing about renting is you really can't ever, you know, literally put your roots down. You really can't plant anything, and, mm-hmm. and I love to garden, and, and uh, so really wanted to have my own home, and uh, I think my son was in second grade, and he brought home a flyer that said, you know, why rent when you can build your own house? So I looked into this program, and it's a program that the um, U.S. Department of Agriculture puts on for increasing affordable housing in rural areas where there's a lack of affordable housing. And so it's a similar program that's similar to Habitat for Humanity, which a lot of people are familiar with, where Mm -hmm. the owners do some of the work themselves, except in this program it's not a charitable program. It's more kind of like a student loan, you know, where they front you the money for the materials. Oh, really? And you build your home in groups of, well, in my case, there were 12 homeowners in the group. And um, 
Uh, we literally built so our own community. together on each home? Yes. Uh, so the group of 12 of us, uh, we work 30 hours a week. We worked 30 hours a week for 18 months building these homes. And, of course, I was a, am a single mom. I had a young son and a full-time job. So it was... It was really wonder. It's you know, it's really wonderful when you get those opportunities that push you beyond what you think you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think, wow. And then when you go back, you just work in one job. You think, mm-hmm. that was easy. But it was wonderful for me. I was one of those women that really had never. I'd never hammered a nail. You know, you'd see me at the uh, hardware store asking the guy, how do I hang the picture? You know, every time I hang the picture, it falls (laughs) off the wall. And he'd say, well, you know, are you finding the stud? And I would say, you know, I don't know what that is. And anyway, it's kind of funny. So I went from that to, um, you know, building 12 homes and from everything from doing the foundation work and the concrete work to, you know, roofing two-story houses. And we all, we had to do it all with hammers. They wouldn't let us use... No nail guns? No nail guns, no pneumatics. So wow. building, you know, building 12 houses with a hammer, that's quite an experience. But it was wonderful, and it really helped me. In fact, I don't know that I would be as comfortable as I am in the boat school environment if I had not had that experience, uh-huh. because obviously boat building is much more refined than home building. But I still, you know, I run the little student store out here and purchase all the tools, say, for instance, for the oh. students. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, and I understand about purchasing lumber and running projects. You know, it really helped me, I think, yeah, cool. feel more comfortable in, in this environment. Plus, I have Carhartts. Yeah. Right? Right. You have to have Carhartts. <laughs> I, I have the wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, back to Baraka. So that word means blessing, that name. In what language or what? It's an Arabic. It's a uh, pre-Islamic, very ancient Arabic huh. Really, mm-hmm. and it means uh, a blessing or a gift of grace, mm-hmm. and that was the you know the owner who uh, the original owner named her that, and I didn't see any reason to change it. I thought that was a a wonderful name. Yeah, very cool. So, did you get out or on, on her this summer? Some and I didn't as much as I wanted to. I've been extremely busy at yeah. Boat School. I've yeah. been extremely busy here. Um, so. I uh, when I first got the boat last summer, summer summer before this, I thought, oh, I'm going to be sailing to the islands. I'm going to be out adventuring, and then I realized that you know I'm on a little bit more of a long term plan than that. I, yeah. I think I'll have that boat a long time. It doesn't. I don't have to do it all right now. If it takes me five years to get up to the islands, fine. Yeah, right. But um, so 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 far, I've just sailed in the bay, and um, you know, I sail with. Uh, the instructors here, the students, my friends, people up at Point Hudson, like you know um, Carol Hasse and Ace Sprague, who runs the programs up at the Maritime Center. You know they're always up for a sail, so that's really been fun for me. I really enjoy um, sailing with a lot of the local women. is really really fun. It's a little different sailing with women than men. I think the women, you know, and I'm not trying to make too much of gender, but I've just noticed. Uh, tend to be perfectly happy if the rail isn't in the water, for instance. <laughs> we don't need quite the adrenaline, you know. It's, we're just happy to be out there. It's more about the journey. Then. Yeah, which is kind of funny. I'm just kidding, but you know, it's it's all it's all wonderful. But I do hope um, to be able to get out on her more. Yeah, 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 very cool. So tell me what's going on at the school these days. Well, we are in the the new class started in October. 
So the students, um, and we have a wonderful group this year, are uh, finishing up their beginning projects where they learn to initially work with hand tools and power tools and start to shape wood and do some basic joinery. They've, they've built their mallets and dovetail toolboxes and learned drafting, and now they're, going, they're, they're preparing the loft floor to start lofting boats, and then they'll be building their first skiffs. And in just a few weeks here, they'll be lifting those skiffs up on their shoulders and walking them down to the beach to launch them, at which point I think they're boat builders. That's mm. when they get their swagger and, you know. Yeah. So um, that's always an interesting time of year to see how the class comes together. So do you have uh, people from all over the U.S. and some international we do. students this year? We always do. We have a... Yeah. We have a well, I never really consider Canada international somehow, but it is. Yeah. We have a couple of Canadian students, and we have a young man from Japan with us this year, which has been very interesting. He's a really fun guy, and it's been very interesting and enlightening because he's, um, he's he understands and speaks English quite well, but yet there are many differences, you know, many differences. And I've learned to, and uh, we're learning to accommodate that you know and work with that and give him a little bit of support where he needs it because he's um uh the language sometimes difficult mm-hmm. and uh so i think the the drawing and the visuals really work and the hands-on really works but he's coming along really well and we always that most of our students are not local you know we get a few students from washington and yeah. usually a couple of the recent high school graduates from our own uh, area here, and mm-hmm. especially because we have the community boat building right. project where we work with the high school students, <clears throat> so they get inspired and want to be boat builders. So there's usually a couple of those, but um, it's a diverse group. We only have one woman in our class this year, which is a little disappointing because we usually have a you few more, have more than, than that. that right? yeah, yeah, but you never know. You know, yeah. it changes from year to year. Yeah. We've had six in the class before, and. And that's that's nice, but uh, mm-hmm. cool. Now, uh, last year I think it was maybe the sliver was started, the sixty-two foot day sailor. She's the coming contemporary along. Contemporary program. Yes. She's coming along. Uh, it's a very uh, it's a big project for us. We have had um, a, a lot of uh, success with this project, though, in many ways because of the attention it's been gaining. Because I think. Partially because Bob Perry, it's a Bob Perry design. He's a local designer here, very well known. And we've had lots of people come to visit, um, Mead Goujon, and lots of the people from the... Are you plugged into the... Um, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm forgetting the name of the, uh, the network that they have. I'll think of it in a minute. Okay. But so there's been a lot of talk about it. A lot of people have been coming to visit the shop. A lot of... Pretty high-end people have been coming to visit the shop and have had really wonderful things to say about, you know, not just the boat project, but the way that shop is run. I think Bruce Blatchley, um, our uh, teacher in the Composite Contemporary Program, is really uh, stepping into his uh, role as world-class composite boat teacher mm-hmm. and boat builder. That's a If you've been up there, it's an incredible shop up there. Yeah. And... Um, I'm also really happy that we have been able to hire our own graduates to work on that boat. Right now we have four full-time, these are full-time jobs, four of our graduates working up there alongside Bruce to get that boat uh, 
uh, up to you know a place where they can bring it back into the program because January uh, when we start the composite program back up again the students will come back on that project as well mm-hmm. cool so, and then how's the Felicity Ann project come along well if you've been up the hill you can go up and see they've got their bow shelter built and in fact tonight at 6 I don't know if you'll still be around but they're having a, uh, a little party. They're having a little square dance. Oh, wow. Up there at 6 o'clock just to celebrate before they move all the tools and everything into the shed. And it becomes, because, you know, whenever you have a nice floor like that, oh, there's yeah. going to be a fiddle player and somebody around that gets, says, hey, let's have a dance. So yeah. that'll be fun. One of our um, students from last year's class is actually the Alaska state champion, fiddle champion. Wow. Yeah, and so he's here, and so he's going to be uh, playing tonight at 6 there for the dance, so that'll fun. be fun. I think all the students will really enjoy that. And for those that don't know, the Felicity Ann is a sloop that was first woman sailed trans- transatlantic solo crossing by a female in the 50s? Yes. And, and that's the boat that Ann sailed in, and you guys are restoring it here. Right. The boat bumped around for a long time, and... Uh, Ended up in Alaska one of, and was in the hands of one of our former students who was not able to restore her. It's quite, you know, quite the project, and so he wanted to donate it to the school. And the school took the boat on, and um, st- we started some of the restoration last summer, but then a group of, uh, of women here locally uh, that were very interested in participating in that came together and... Um, we wanted to work pretty much exclusively with women and girls and use it as a teaching tool uh, for kind of a woman's uh, shipwright training project. So we're um, happy to host that project, and they're uh, working with... Actually, there's three or four of our female graduates are up there working on that. Wow. Yeah, so I was glad to see some of the... uh, women um, that we've trained come back and participate in that and so they'll be able to pass along some of their skills to uh, other women in the community and a lot of we've got quite a few group of high school girls I can 12 of them came up last Wednesday mm-hmm. from Port Townsend so that's nice to see will that boat be sold when it's completed uh, I don't think that we have a plan yet that's a little bit far along yeah for us right now I think that there's um we'll have to see what happens with that you know we've got a We've got a rotoho just getting the funding for the materials. And, you know, sure. it's going to be, you've it's seen it, it's, it's going to take some time. It's not going to be a quick project. So I think it probably, I'm just speculating it might be, you know, three or four years before that boat's complete. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. I think it certainly would be nice if um, it would it would be, um, you know, kept in the family or used uh, in programs rather than sold. But... You know, we'll have to just see. Yeah, yeah. Very it's cool. a very special boat. She has a very wonderful story. Uh, and But there's always more boats coming right behind her. You know how many boats are out there <laughs> yeah. that need to be rescued. Yeah. <laughs> so, in fact, I, I find that I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm beating them off with you a stick. You get calls every day, right? get calls every day. And when I first started here, I was really excited. I would just be hopping up and down. <laughs> You know, hey, I got somebody on the phone. He has a 93-foot tug. He wants to bring... You know, there's no, no. And we hear literally at our staff meetings, you know, we, we, we talk about the five or six boats that people want to donate at any given time. 
And we really have to be careful because there's only so much we can do. Yeah. And as much as I love wooden boats and, and the people who build them and love to see them restored, not every boat really is worth restoring. There is a point at which yeah. you know, you have to you have to make choices. Yeah. Some yeah. you have to let go so that you have the time and energy and resources to to take care of others. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So for anybody listening that might be interested in knowing a little bit more about the boat school and how it works and why people come here, Katie, what would you say to that? Well, the boat school, this is our 32nd year. The boat school was, uh, you know, as you know, started by Bob Prothrow, who was a very well-known boat builder with his brother Frank, uh, Prothrow Boat Builders on Lake Union in Seattle. And he uh, was a person who, uh, in the later years of his life, decided that he did not want to go to his grave with all of these wonderful secrets of the trade that he had, you know, compiled over his whole life. And he came out here to start a small school, which was, um, uh, he was in his late, in his mid-70s when he started the school. And, you know, as you know, our our um, master shipwright, Jeff Hammond, was one of his young students. Jeff was a 25-year-old carpenter, came mm-hmm. out and, and worked with Bob. And uh, the story goes that literally on Bob's deathbed, he made Jeff promise to stay with the school and keep the school going. And here Jeff is 27 years later, wow. having trained thousands of boat builders and trained every single one of the instructors we have right now. So the school, to pull back, I see it as it's kind of a a passing of the torch. It's a legacy that we're passing down from one shipwright to the next, you know, through the hearts and hands of these people who are just passionate and dedicated to preserving and promoting this craft. And that's really what the school is about, is the transfer of that knowledge And, um, you know, our mission is really very simple. And our mission is to bring out the individual craftsperson in every one of our students. And that's really what our focus is. And people come here for all different reasons. And they have all different kinds of backgrounds and levels of skill. We have people who have never held a chisel or a saw in their hand before. But for some reason, you know, are just drawn to this craft and to this lifestyle. And we have people who are already master craftsmen in their own right, who are interested in learning this particular um, aspect of, of woodworking. And I think that people, well, again, they come here for a lot of reasons, but I think that there's something really basic about being a human that has to do with using, making tools and using tools and creating things. I think that, I don't want to say it's what separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom because I don't see us as separate, but it's, it's a very important part of being human. And I think that people, especially people like me who sit at keyboard all day, I make things all the time. I don't necessarily build wooden boats, but I build houses and a garden and knit and sew and create and craft with with tools and and there's something really valuable about that and I think in our society you know we've pulled away from that so much and this has a real appeal to people from a real deep level Mm -hmm. and so um, not all of our students really are coming here even necessarily to be boat builders but they the skills that we teach here and they know this 
uh, prepare them to work with wood and build anything. They say if, you know, the boat builders, of course, will tell you if you can build a wooden boat, you can build anything out of wood. So some of our students go on and they become instrument makers or fine furniture builders or, you know, all kinds of different things because the the complexity of the joinery and the skills that you learn here are very transferable to mm-hmm. other things. Yeah. But you know, it's it's interesting. We've got we've had people come who've never been on boats. People come to boat school. Isn't that funny? Really yeah. interesting. I've never seen the ocean. I had a we had a student from Kansas a couple of years ago, a young high school student, <laughs> never seen the ocean before. I thought that was amazing and you want to be a boat builder. Wow, that's something. So it's a a very diverse group. We have students right out of high school. Maybe they've uh, volunteered on a tall ship and kind of gotten the bug that way. Or um, we have a lot of mid-career people who have gone, you know, to become architects or other types of jobs that they just have found are not really, you know, what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of... um, People who've had um, very successful careers as doctors or uh, coast guard, military, all you know, all kinds of people, and I think that's just the common thread: is just they want to work with wood, they love boats, they're attracted to the um, to being a maker, to be able to make something of value that's lasting. And our boats, the boats they build, they're like little floating wooden works of art. You've seen them. Yeah, they really yeah, are. It's amazing. Are, yeah. So the pride that they have and the, the accomplishment. But it is a rigorous program. You know, we are teaching a two-year program in one year because the students that come here, you know, they... they it's eight hours a day, eight eight hours five a days day. a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're in class for 39 hours a week, and the day is structured. They usually have two hours of lecture, classroom lecture in the morning, and then six hours of hands-on work in the shop. And as you can see from walking in the shops that they're not sitting around watching their instructor build a boat you know it's all hands-on the students are are involved in every single aspect of the the process and uh and you guys are accredited in a way that students can get are able to get grants and student loans just like they would for a regular community college or college right. of well, some sort. Is that right? We're licensed by the state of Washington yeah. and are accredited by the ACCSC, which is a national accrediting agency recognized by the Department of Education. And we are also what they call a Title IV school, which means we're eligible to participate in federal student aid programs. So our students, our programs are eligible The students can uh, get Pell Grants and student loans. We also, um, our students vet, our school is veterans approved, so students that have veterans benefits can use them. So we have, even though we're just a little tiny school, mm-hmm. you know, we have access to um, some funding sources. Yeah, yeah. I was telling Jeff earlier, uh, my bucket list is to attend the school myself. Good, I'll sign you up right now. <laughs> we start October 2nd next year, I think. <laughs> So I appreciate your time today, Katie. Uh, Anything else you'd like to add? Well, I really appreciate the work that you do, Dan. Thanks. And I've, you know, we've bumped into each other a few times, and I've listened to your podcasts, and uh, I've learned, I've learned a lot listening to your podcasts. And I think that you know, you're kind of like the boat guy at large, you know, out there in the world, (laughs) and kind of bringing us all together. And I'm sure that we all are listening to each other, and uh, I think that that's 
those are important stories. Uh, maybe not mine so much, but um, I think it creates a little web of community when we have somebody like you out there mm-hmm. bringing this all together for us. So. Well, I get to ask the questions that other people don't always ask, yeah. too, in an interview, which is kind of fun. So, yeah. very good. Well, thanks for your time today, Katie. Thank you, Dan. All right, take care. Thanks, Katie, for taking the time for the interview. It was really fun to see you over at the school. And I'm sure I will see you there again soon, since I love to hang out there. Next week is an interview with Wendy Hinman. Wendy and her husband, Garth, uh, spent seven years sailing around the Pacific in a cold-molded wooden boat. And she's got a fascinating story, and uh, Wendy has actually even written a book about it called Tightwads on the Loose. So please tune in next week for this special interview with Wendy. I'd love it if you would connect with me. You can do so by emailing me, dan at hookedonwoodenboats.com. You can subscribe to my e-newsletter if you go to hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash subscribe. You can leave a voice message on my website by clicking the send voicemail button on the right hand side. And there's other ways to connect with me. You can look for me on Facebook if you look for Wooden Boat Dan, Twitter and Pinterest also for Wooden Boat Dan. Or you can call the voicemail feedback hotline 424-261-2360. Now you're probably totally confused because there's so many ways to connect. But actually email, voicemail, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, all that stuff works. So hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for tuning in this week. It's great to have you listening to the show. Our number of listeners is increasing each week, and I'm having fun doing this. And wooden boats are a blast. So if you haven't already got out and built a wooden boat or bought a wooden boat or sanded a wooden boat or gone sailing in a wooden boat or rode a wooden boat, go for it. Get out there and do it. It's really fun. And especially building a wooden boat, it's really a blast to build something with your hands I suggest you start small, maybe even get a kit boat, which will save you some time. But just get out and go for it. Have some fun with it. Let me know how you're doing. Let me know about all those boat building projects you're working on. Thanks again for everything. Keep the bright side up and the barnacled side down. This is Wooden Boat Dan, over and out.